0: Uh, good morning. <clears throat> a number of years ago, Cher Byler challenged me. Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't know if it was a, really a challenge, but an encouragement. Uh, she said, um, "You know, it would be kind of nice to get a, uh, you know, a state of the lighthouse address once a year uh, from uh, from me, uh, just to sort of share what's what's been going on." And uh, I have not forgotten it since you said it. I thought, "Oh, that's brilliant." Oh my goodness! That's uh, you know what what all would that involve and 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 look like. Um, so, uh, but that that's what I would like to share with all of you today. And uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm actually this is a little bit of a precursor. It's not the full presentation, but I'll be making a presentation at the CCDA uh, convention uh, this coming week um, with this topic of uh, community development with the neighborhood in mind and. Um, so uh, excited to share this with you, but also share some of the current goings on and, and uh, maybe growing edges of the lighthouse. so um, <clears throat> so just to uh, yeah, just to hop right in, I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, CCDA. there we go. Um, but it's the Christian Community Development Association. It was started by John Perkins a number of years ago, and um, one of the things, uh, and he's quickly becoming a little hero uh, type of figure for me, but um, he has an amazing story. He's gone through all sorts of of junk um, and trials in his life, but uh, he has remained steadfast to his commitment to peace and justice um, and and nonviolence. And I'm wearing, a shirt that I bought at last year's convention, it, and and this sort of really sums up for me a lot of what um, I, you know we want the lighthouse to be about. Um, but it, it's you don't you don't give people um, dignity; you affirm it, and that's sort of the understanding that everybody intrinsically has dignity. Um, and and like, what are the things that happen that strip it away, or that we affirm that in people? It's not it's not something we we give. Um, and so, uh, John Perkins is quite, quite the guy. CCDA has um, eight—I uh, think I counted right. Yeah, eight, <laughs> eight uh, sort of uh, core values or tenets that they live by, um, or that they operate under. And so, uh, reconciliation, um, which is you know basically, uh, they would sum it up as loving God, loving neighbor, um, you know, how do we bring, how do we make things right in the world? Um, redistribution is this idea of how do we, you know, the Bible is filled with stories of people who were, uh, used their privilege and leverage that to help others. Right. And so like, um, you know, whether you look at Moses or Joseph or Esther, you know, those are people that were put in positions, not really through what they earned, uh, but but then they were, they were given some sort of status that they were able to then leverage um, for the sake of others. Relocation, uh, and they, they talk about Jesus being the ultimate relocator, right? Uh, he gave up his position uh, with God uh, to dwell among us in the flesh, right? What, the power of presence is what relocation is about. And then leadership development, um, which is... You know, how do we build up leaders in the community, uh, keep them here, empowerment, uh, it, that you know, these ministries or that community development really sh- needs to be church-based. Um, we need to have a posture of listening, um, where we are not just thinking what we know is best and just doing it, but but that we're asking good questions and then a holistic approach, uh, taking into consideration the whole person. Um, so the verse uh that is actually the um the theme verse for the the convention or the conference this week um and the the lighthouse staff will be going to this and then and Sean is going as well so we're very excited uh, and looking forward to this um but uh, God gives power to the faint and strengthen the powerless. Even the young will faint and be weary and they will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, and, and really the, the bottom line here is, you know, God, God gives and has power for the faint uh, and, and strengthens the powerless. And God often shows up with skin on it's God's people, the kingdom of God, like actively participating and, and, contributing. Um, I also should have warned you that I'm, I'm really worried about this going along. And so I already feel myself rambling a little bit. So, um, maybe it's good or bad that we didn't have singing today. So, um, uh, some of these slides are things that you already know, <laughs> like where we're located, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, we're celebrating 26 years. We serve between 100 and 150 people a year and it's a, a year-round slate of programming that we're uh, able to offer in the community here. Um, and and this neighborhood uh is often spoken about in a negative light, okay? Um you know, it's it's uh, it's where you know, I've, uh, our family has lived for, you know, 20 26, 27 years and um 28 years, no, well one year we lived near Malone, then the rest of it was here, so yeah, (laughs) so, uh, 27, but yeah, so, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's really shocking to me how, how negatively, uh, the Southeast is talked about, uh, when it, when it just feels like home, um. Alan uh, Cohen, uh, to make the world a better place, see the world as a better place. And so I'll paraphrase that and say to, see, to make the Southeast a better place, we need to see the Southeast as a better place. Um, the Lighthouse's uh, mission statement is to support families by walking alongside the youth in our community, offering safe um, effective, uh, I'm sorry, oh my goodness, I always remember this, i say, safe, holistic and effective opportunities for youth to understand their God-given gifts and their potential for impacting the world around them. Um, And that really is in response to several things. Um, The Southeast uh, is filled with incredible people, uh, but it is a community, an area that's bereft of resources. Um, It's also marked by a very high mobility rate. Uh, If you talk to the teachers in the schools, Students are moving in and out like at a constant rate, which makes it very difficult. Um, and uh, but it also has a very disturbing history, uh, which some of you uh, are probably aware of, but uh, many of you might not be. Um, and so, uh, you know, the Canton has Canton has had a kind of a interesting history in that it was really thriving and was peaked at one hundred and ten thousand. You know, it's now down to 70,000. When it was at 110, they just thought it was gonna keep growing. Um, And so, uh, Canton was actually built for 250,000 people, has the infrastructure for it. Um, I think I heard uh, 400 miles of roads, but only the tax base take care of 200 miles of roads. So that's why we have potholes, (laughs) lots of potholes. Lauren and Cher can show you pictures <laughs> so that, that they've submitted to the city and <laughs> say, fix this. <laughs> um, and, but you know, the city has tried to reinvent itself several times to try and kickstart the economy. And, um, and part of that was, uh, urban renewal. What, what's happening with the hall of fame and, um, and things that are going on downtown is another example of this. But, uh, Back in the 60s, uh, urban renewal sort of like was something that was taking place all over the country in urban centers around the entire country. And um, okay, so Mike, if we could zoom out of this. Um, so if you just go over here, okay, yep, just click on that. All right, so this is Canton's redlined communities, which would have happened prior to urban renewal. Uh, can you scroll back up? Okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, so this, and A is the best place to live, B, and then it goes down to D and you can see a lot of where the Southeast is, has a lot of the D neighborhoods and they were all pretty much determined by racial makeup, uh, and, uh, and, um, like immigrant populations and that kind of thing. And I can even show you copies of the documents if you want to see them, but, um, but then there were things like racial covenants and all sorts of other things that like basically said you weren't allowed to sell to people who weren't white. Um, but I don't know if any of you know Richie Harper, but he has done, this is a website that he's put together. He has done some amazing work uh, on taking these red line neighborhoods and then calculating projecting out um, or gathering the data to show like social vulnerability indexes, poverty rates, crime rates, the whole deal. And it is it is incredible how much it, it correlates with what areas were redlined, because that really limited a person's ability to invest in your community if your if your neighborhood was redlined. Banks would not, you know, uh, back a loan if you lived in a redlined area, and so that really hampered things moving forward. Um, if we go over to the next uh, tab, so when urban renewal came in. Um, this was the Southeast. It was an incredibly, uh, thriving neighborhood here in the Southeast. Um, and it was filled with, uh, families that were primarily, uh, two parent homes, African American living in, uh, just leave it. Uh, uh, Can you go back to what that was there? Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Um, I know it's bigger, (laughs) but uh, I wanted to keep the slider over there. Um, the, uh, uh. So, uh, and and employed, and not wealthy, but financially stable. All right, but when urban renewal came in, that was the city's attempt to kickstart the economy. And so this is the Southeast, thriving, uh, not wealthy, but, but but, but doing well. And then when urban renewal came in, go ahead and slide that over. Mike, if you could. Could you just grab this and slide it over? Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. Could you scroll up a little bit, Mike? Just come onto the page. Yeah, there you go. Could you click on urban renewal again? Okay, now slide down. Keep going, yep. keep going, okay stop, right here. Okay, now I'll grab that slider and pull it across, okay. So this is the neighborhood and then this is the industrial park that was put in, okay. So it, it really, um, it, it, they took out uh, close to 900 homes uh, between this and uh, also putting in the highway. If you could click on that last tab up there, Mike, for me. And then, um, oh, okay. Well, we're not gonna go back to the middle one. Um, Scroll down some more. Um, I was trying to make it less complicated, but I made it more complicated, so uh, a little bit further. Okay, so, okay, thank you, and now slide this over. So this was also another part of town um, that was then, like, just wiped out because of the interchange between 77 and Route 30. Like, uh, and so, like, these are all yeah, it's fascinating to see how many homes were just bulldozed under. People were given. Uh, you can go back to the slideshow now. Thank you very much. Um, people were given three to five thousand dollars for their home. Uh, totally flipped the, uh, the really the the, the wealth and uh, the status that many people in uh, Southeast Canton had. Right. So again, it went from this to this. Uh, within a census, like from one census to the next. Um, and 70% of the southeast is in public housing today uh, with many families living in generational poverty. So, um, and poverty is not just about the lack of money, it's about the lack of options, which is skills, resources, and support networks. So again, our mission is really sort of pushing back against that. Right? Um, and it's hopefully offering dignity, uh, not offering, but affirming dignity that is found within the students um, <clears throat> that we work with. Our philosophy uh, takes a village, um, and it—you uh, know we, we really believe we're just part of what's working towards the good for the families and students in the neighborhood. Uh, we do take a strength-based approach, which means that we're gonna look to leverage the strengths and gifts that the students have. Um, and uh, we are neighborhood focused. So we have a, a map that sort of shows where our boundaries are and 80% of the, the kids that come to the Lighthouse do live within, it's a rough 10 blocks, but I'll say 10 blocks of here. And, and that number has actually jumped up this year some, so that's been exciting to see. Um, and we wanna offer spaces that just communicate to anyone taking part that this is, that you are a person worth investing in. <clears throat> So, uh, the, it's a year-round investment, like I mentioned, with the after-school program, summer enrichment camp, uh, the, field, the summer activities project, which is the field trip program. We have youth ministry clubs uh, and a, a scholarship program, and then something new that we're calling C Squared Saturdays. Um, and, uh, but, so for the after-school program, I'm just gonna try and blitz through these uh, pretty quick. But we offer, uh, you know, your traditional things that after-school programs offer. Um, uh, many after-school programs also offer enrichment. Also offer enrichment activities, um, but uh, we really try to make that a primary focus. And so we have, you know, things like cake decorating. Right. So this is a cake that one of the students made just uh, last week. Um, but each each week, uh, Nina she runs, boy good yummies, uh, yummies and kisses, tasty treat. I don't know. It's some crazy name, but like she is an amazing, uh, cake, uh, artist decorator. And so she's been coming in and the kids, uh, get to decorate cakes. Uh, they did gravity cakes, uh, you know, where the, the candy's pouring out of the top and they did cookie monsters this last week. So they've just done some amazing things. The kids have really enjoyed it. Um, We offer mindfulness. Uh, Here the kids are taking time to be mindful of one aspect of their lives, but they'll talk about mindful eating, uh, mindful, uh, uh, I forget what all the different categories are, but basically like how do you break apart the little parts of your day and be mindful of those activities within that. Uh, We'll be starting pottery in two weeks as part of the after school program's offerings. And so we've purchased six pottery wheels, and uh, along with the one that Tim Boldman donated to us, for those of you that know him. Um, We'll have, and we have a kiln, uh, so the kids will be uh, uh, learning how to throw and fire pottery, um, which is exciting. And then, of course, the Business Builders uh, Club. I could probably get in trouble showing young children with power tools, but we do it. (laughs) So, um, uh, we, we use the star bit, uh, screws so that's easier to drive in, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, they have a blast putting their stands together to sell their, to sell their goods. And this is, uh, a young lady here who is uh, selling coasters that she made out of little pom-poms. So, um, Summer enrichment camp. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go through pictures for all these, so I'm just going to have a slide c- capturing a lot of them. But um, you know, it's seven weeks, uh, runs nine to three, but uh, offers a whole wide uh, a- uh, array of, of uh, subjects uh, throughout the day. Uh, we also go on field trips, and we have a contract with child and adolescent uh, where we provide mental health support for our staff and our students um, as they're working um, throughout the whole summer. So they do group work with the kids uh, like on Mondays and then uh, they meet with the staff each morning to be helpful if there's any particular thing that's going on that they might need support with. So, um, And the mental health uh, support is something that's relatively new uh, but that is now also present in our after school program. We have an art therapist who's doing art classes with the kids that's also helping them uh, process some things. And... Um, you know, it, it, we had a student um, who uh, this past summer uh, was, I forget what the prompt was, but the student then shared that, you know, that they had witnessed their uncle coming home after a, uh, I'll just say, an encounter with somebody where they lost their life and, um, and he had to clean up when he got home. Uh, and And he also shared about being at a party with family, and someone shot a gun, and the bullet came through the wall and hit near him right, and that these were things that were like he couldn 't get out of his mind right so um, and, and then and the, the the therapist who was leading the group work was you know helping to process a little bit of that, but uh, what I found to be beautiful. Um, was that one of his friends who was there as he was sharing this? Uh, came over, put his arm around him, and said, "Hey man, sorry. Uh, what do you say?" He said, "Hey man, you don't. You, it's okay. You don't need to be traumatized." This is what he said, and um, you know, like I, I thought that was beautiful. Um, and, and we did contact the parents, and um, we found out that uh, the mom had recently moved because it was getting away from family that was bringing lots of pain and. And trauma too to them. In fact, that she had to move because she she was being threatened herself. And so um, it was it was good to hear that some of that had been had been addressed and was being being worked on. But um, yeah, it uh, some of our kids are just dealing with some crazy stuff. And um, you know, we have just been really grateful that we have the opportunity to have child and adolescent uh, supporting us in that way. And the beautiful thing is two out of the three uh, uh, therapists that have been working with us have, have been people that have interned at the lighthouse before. So there, uh, that has been a beautiful connection uh, and really, really helpful. Uh, the field trip program, I, uh, I think, I don't know, I think some, some families here have taken part in the summer camp and uh, maybe in the field trips. Um, but uh, it's, you know, this is just 14 field trips for families who, who might not have the time or capacity to go to camp every day, but can go on, uh, these field trips twice a week throughout the summer. And, uh, it's just a whole array of, of different activities, uh, things that the kids get to do that maybe they wouldn't necessarily get to do, uh, otherwise. Um, the, we, I, I love talking about going to Steffen farms. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think I think I may have even shared it. it got at work. The one kid threw up when they rinsed out the manure the one day, and um, and then he showed up the next year. This past summer, he showed up for round two, and it happened again. And he, <laughs> did it. but he comes back because he loves being at the farm. You know, <laughs> like he just, um, and he, he's embraced the fact that you know it's this awesome place that I, I probably couldn't live here. But you know, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's these things that like spark. Kids to understand the world is bigger than themselves, but also um, like engages their brain and you know builds possibilities, right, for what what the future could be. Um, youth ministry clubs, uh, you know, run run with uh, First Mennonite here, uh, but middle school and high school clubs we meet three times per month. Uh, Bible, social activities, service, um, but these are yeah, uh, and we're excited that we have. We're just getting those kicked off, uh, now again this year, so, um, C-squared Saturdays. You can, well, whatever. Uh, so it's opportunities for creating your, uh, creative, for cultivating your creativity. Um, and, uh, we're starting off, well, we started off last year with this relationship with Canton Symphony Orchestra, and, um. Uh, where we did a pilot of, I think, 11 to 12 uh, lessons with the kids. They got to take their instruments home, uh, you know, practice the strings and uh, weekly. Um, uh, this year, uh, we, it was such, uh, it went so well last year, we're doing the program for the whole year this year. Um, and uh, the symphony and the lighthouse just agreed that we're going to write grants for it. But if we don't get it, we're still going to fund it because we just need to, like, it's just a beautiful opportunity. And then... Um, The head of the Canton Potters Guild um, is going to be leading pottery lessons on Saturdays as well. So these will be two-hour blocks of lessons where the students will learn how to throw pottery. The difference between doing it in the enrichment stuff in after school and this is that the students um, in after school have to be there. Uh, where the students on Saturdays want to be there. And so that just, it just creates a different learning environment uh, where the kids are like getting to do things that they just really want to do and explore. And then I'm going to be starting a beekeeping club on, uh, this is Mercedes. Uh, she, She said she wanted to taste honey with honeycomb in it. And I said, Put a suit on. We'll go get some. <laughs> and so um, I was able to get a picture uh, of what, what this could be. But there's several students that are pretty excited about being in a beekeepers club. So, um, so we're looking forward to this. And then some of the things that we're t- in conversations with people about currently are developing like a step team or photography lessons, uh, other dance opportunities, and then even uh, doing some more involved drama uh, types of settings. So this is really like an area of growth for the lighthouse. Like this is uh, a, a way that uh, we feel like we can offer some more things and it's it's not necessarily that you have to be in after school to be a part of this. Uh, it's it's It can be uh, anyone in the community here. Um, and I'll just say this too. Like I would love to see uh, some families at First Mennonite enroll their kids. We have four open spots in the strings program right now. We have... Pottery is gonna go live in two weeks. Um beekeeping will go live sometime in February, maybe. But um it, I would love I would love to see uh some families here get involved in that if that is and, and we have I think six open spots in the after school program. So um again, uh if if that is of interest to you, please talk to me. I would love love to see that happen. Um, the last thing uh is, is our, not not the last thing, but our vocational scholarship program, and um, this is for middle school and high school students, um, where if you are uh, attending middle school club or high school club at least at 60%, you automatically qualify for your scholarship, and uh, we take your GPA, and we multiply, as long as you're above a zero GPA. you, we multiply it by twenty dollars a semester, uh, so a 4.0 could generate eighty bucks a semester, 160 bucks a year, 480 dollars over middle school, and then the multiplier doubles for high school. Okay, so uh, so right now I think you can get just a little bit over seventeen hundred dollars if you get a 4.0 all all seven years, um, and then that can be used for any pursuit of any vocation. It doesn't have to be going to college. It could be you know, a trade school to purchase materials and equipment and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, cool story, uh, just two weeks ago, I had a donor call me up and, and uh, offer to uh, do lunch together, and uh, he just said, look, I would like to double the scholarship amounts for this year. So now every student who's going to be involved this year gets their scholarships doubled. Um, and and then he was like, and I think I want to talk to other people about making it even bigger. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, we need to fund other things too. But yes, <laughs> um, no, no. But there, he is he is absolutely excited about it, and um, and even excited about being part of maybe like the business builders program too and vocational awareness stuff. But this seems like um, like we've 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 handed out I think three checks just this past year to the seniors, and actually it's the three the three. Uh, that are pictured here with Kelly, I think that 's Janelle and Marka and Cheyenne. Uh, they were all able to get their checks for scholarships this past year, and so I think we have a little bit over ten thousand dollars in our scholarship fund now, uh, so if you come for the first semester in middle school and you don 't show up and you don 't ever come back, that money is still sitting there for you you know that that forty dollars <laughs> is there ready for you to pursue something at the end if you want to claim it when you graduate. So it's not something that you can lose, it's just there for you. Uh, you have three years to use it after you graduate, and if you don't, then it just gets funneled back into the, to the pot. Um, and then we've also developed um, an assessment tool, which is, uh, was built on the question, like, are we fulfilling our mission? Um, uh, you know, we, it has a lot of the traditional assessment stuff with it as well, but basically we want to assess our students becoming more and more aware of their gifts and strengths, and are they uh, developing empathy, and are they understanding more fully that they can actually make a difference. Um, so it's a very like non-typical way of doing assessment in this, but yet this is sort of what we, we build our mission statement around, and we're like, well, we've got to figure out some way to assess this. So uh, we were able to write a grant and get a group up in Akron to develop this assessment tool for us. So we're, it'll be several years before we figure out if we're doing it right. But, you know, we're, you know, no. But it's it's been good to get the feedback from the kids and parents along the way. Um, some other uh, interesting uh, pieces is that our staffing. So we have three staff that are basically full-time or 30 to 40 hours Two at 20 to 30 hours, four a little bit less. Um, And then we have lots of enrichment staff and summer staff as well. Um, And people always want to ask about money. So uh, this is sort of our income streams, but our budget this year is right around $450,000 to do all this. So... um, Um So you know, our mission is to support families by walking alongside the youth in our community, offering safe, holistic, and effective opportunities for them to understand their god given gifts and their potential for impacting the world around them. Um, you know this none of this would exist if it wasn 't for this congregation. Uh, the willingness to say you know yeah we'll we'll give up this building over here we'll we'll let you start something." Um, Lauren, you were part of the first group. I don't know if any of the other first groupers are here. Bob, are you part of the first group that talked about this? I can't remember. Yeah. So, um, and also the, yeah, the whole Southeast. Well, anyway, that's a, I'm digressing. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it it's just, it, it's like, Jonas, I think, has come up to me a couple times and said, "Who would have ever thought? You know, like that—that that this is what would have happened." Yeah, no one ever thought that this is what was going to happen. But it's been a lot of fun uh, to like be a part of this, and I'm uh, just really grateful for the way the congregation has also been a huge part of this. And um, you know, when we think about what does it mean to, uh, you know, give give strength to the weary, um, bring power to Oh, I can't remember what the, the exact words are now. But, um, but you know, like, like and, and to do that in a way that is about affirming the dignity of each person, um, I think that is a, uh, I just really find um, a lot of satisfaction in in the work at the Lighthouse. And, uh, and yeah, again, just big thanks to all of you for being a part of that. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds. Uh, like I said, we're, we're looking to grow the Saturday programs. Um, if the arts thing continued to take off, we'd probably be looking at uh, hiring a, a staff position for that. But at the same time, I feel like we're getting plenty big, and I almost want to figure out ways to make it leaner. And so um, just trying to figure out what's what's coming. Um, you know, there's all this wind of recession, so that's always like lurking in the back of my mind, you know, but um, at the same time, God's been incredibly faithful along the way, and I don't I don't expect that to change. Um, but uh, it's it's exciting it's exciting to think of what's next. So so thank you all. Uh, I'm gonna close with a word of prayer and move forward. Lord, we all um, find ourselves in in community uh, with each other here at First Mennonite, um, with the people we work with, with um, just the the people that we that we live with in our in in our households and in our neighborhoods, um, you've given us an incredible opportunity, uh, an incredible model about what it means to offer the gift of presence, what it means to communicate. Um, your love and care and concern and the worth that you see people with by the way we interact um, with those in our lives. Um, Remind us each day, each second of each day that you are present with us. Uh, Help us to be lovers of people. uh, to, uh, to, To just simply convey the beauty of your kingdom. Thank you In your name we pray amen